Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to this month's Emerging Market Lens and Look Through podcast. I am your host, Damian Sassauer, and today we are joined by friend of the show, Phoenix Kalin, head of Emerging Market Research at Societe Generale. Phoenix, thank you for taking the time to join us here today. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be back. So let's crack on with it. Um, we've had a massive rally in EM Fix since October of 2023. Let me give you some numbers here. Sovereign credit up 11%, EM corporate credit up 8.6%, and EM local up 7.5% over the period. Yet here we are in late February, Phoenix, and returns are down across two of those three asset classes year to date. I think EM corporates are up slightly, up 1%, but the other two are down, you know, moderately. Um, just trying to get a thought, uh, trying to get a gauge of your thoughts on both EM hard and local currency debt as we push into the end of the first quarter of 2024. Yeah, so I think it's it's an interesting place that we find ourselves in, especially after so much movement, especially late last year and early this year. Um, you know, we've we've had that massive rally occur late, late October, November, December as well, and. It, once again, the rally was just so fast and furious, and because of that, we're left in, in a position where valuations are much less appealing, especially on the currency side, and also uh, somewhat on on the rate side. Things have moved so much that you know it's it's difficult for us to mo to retain that kind of momentum, and we have to give back a little bit bit of the gains because of what you know U.S. rates markets are doing, because of what's repricing in the Fed uh, funds, for, for instance. So I think there is that kind of adjustment that now that we're actually reaching a little bit more steady, more uh, kind of equilibrium type levels, more stable <laughs> levels. So I think we are maybe potentially facing more range bound type trading um, in, in the several months ahead before we get maybe into much more excitement in the second half of this year. Wow. So FX vol is low, and it could get even lower. I mean, let's put some numbers around it. Broad dollars up 2.3% this year, yet it's still down 2.1% since October. So, I mean, I guess for me, when I look at some of the models out there for kind of gauging near-term movement in FX, I look at rate differentials as doing a lot of that heavy lifting. I mean, you mentioned carry and a lot of your research. You know, I think you've just come out with a new uh, call on EM carry. But, you know, just, just for our listeners here, you know, I guess, you know, with FX vol at current levels and put call option skew, you know, signaling somewhat elevated complacency with regard to dollar upside, I'm, I'm just curious, how much runway does dollar strength have in this current environment? So I think that's that's one of the interesting points where actually from the investors that we talk to, there is a divergence in opinions about what the dollar is likely to do. For us, we're still trying to retain a, a an outlook on the dollar where we think the dollar is likely to somewhat weaken over the course of the year, um, especially given how much U.S. exceptionalism we've seen already, how resilient the U.S. economy has been and how it's really outperformed expectations. And then Europe, on the Europe side, you know, it's been underforming expectations so much that there is scope for there to be some recovery there. And for that to be kind of one of the one of the catalysts for there to be maybe a bit more pricing of ECB um, uh, sorry, you know, for the ECB not to be doing as much as the Fed um, and for that to kind of uh, help the rate differential story and and underpin maybe a bit of 
of the dollar weakness going into the latter part of this year. But I think there is so much divergence and opinions around that. And I think that is one of the key risks as well, because if this U.S. exceptionalism story continues as it had, and we avoid altogether any kind of recession, and we've had a, a change call on that in the House view as well. We're no longer expecting a U.S. recession this year. We're expecting for it to coast along at about 2.2% GDP growth rate. So I think that does actually um, will provide some headwinds, especially to EM currencies, uh, if we continue to have a, a very resilient dollar. Yeah. So yeah, for now, our base case is still a little bit of dollar weakness going into the second part of this year. But I think there are some clear headwinds to this forecast. Phoenix, all roads point to the Fed, right? I mean, it's proven to be more macro relevant than China, than Russia, than Gaza. I mean, and certainly relative to the levels which preceded the October 7th attack, we know that equities are up, oil's down, spreads have tightened, and the dollar's weaker. So with all that's gone on, I guess, you know, I think it's important to just provide some context about where U.S. Treasury yields are headed. I mean, the 10-year, I mean, I think we're down 68 basis points since last October. We're at four and a quarter here today. What are your thoughts on where, you know, the 10 years headed through, you know, the next call it, you know, eight, nine, 10 months through year end? So our house call is for U.S. 10-year Treasury yields to end the year around 4 percent right. and then possibly kind of uh, creep up slightly until kind of maybe 4.25 percent. So staying in basically the range that we're seeing right now. So not much movement there. We're not expecting for there to be any huge upwinds, um, you know, pushing up dollar rates or huge downwinds either that's going to materialize from any recession risks. So we're kind of trapped in that uh, in that kind of range bound levels where we're currently seeing the market right now. Yeah. And I think to some extent, that does help the EM story. I mean, if there there are still range-bound movements in markets, especially in the U.S. rates market, and it's much lower vol than it was last year, then that will provide some comfort to a lot of investors about you know stepping back in and uh, and playing some of the carry trades, uh, increasing risk a little bit um, as they see how maybe. Yeah, various other risks play out uh, toward the, the second half of this year. So this is so important because, you know, it's that lower vol component, which I agree with, the lower FX vol component. But I mean, there's no denying that if the Fed's on hold for longer and we see a lot of emerging markets, you know, already cutting rates, I mean, Hungary, Brazil, you name it, you know, shouldn't you see carry compressing in this environment? And, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, like, you know, relative to the U.S., I'm talking, right? So, you know, I mean, is carry still positioned to outperform in an environment where some of those high yielders are already pumping the brakes? Okay, so so we published a note just on Friday about this topic. Um, so right now in, in the universe that we look at for EMFX, so carry on average is only 0.4% versus uh. the dollar. So it's, it's dropped a lot from 3.2% uh, less than two years ago. And and now it's you know it's plunged so much. It's, it's scraping along kind of the decade lows. Yep. But we think the carry is going to descend further. And that's because we'll see more disinflation progress in emerging markets. And we'll see a much more pronounced easing cycle from EM central banks versus the Fed. So like for this year, for the rest of this year, we're expecting for EM central banks on average to cut about 160 basis points. Whereas from the Fed, we're only expecting for them to do about 75 basis points. So, yeah, carry is going to compress further. Yeah. But but I mean, even in that context, I mean, I think there is still a window of opportunity for people to still take on some of the carry plays, especially kind of the you know, long carry versus short carry 
or um, long carry to ball versus short carry to ball positions. I think that still makes sense in a short term window. And, and which currencies, at least on the investment side? I mean, talk to us about the investment and also, I guess, the funding leg. You know, what currencies sort of stand out to you on either side of that trade? Right. So and so we've initiated a, a basket trade um, going long an equal weighted basket of high carry to ball currencies. So in that basket, we put in INR, we put in BRL, we put in Turkey, we put in MAX as well. Um, and in the short basket, in the funding basket, we're, we're putting in Chile, Taiwan, Czech, and China. Those are kind of the, the really poor carry plays and, and very low carry to vol as well. So, you know, uh, with those two legs of the trade, it gives a nice boost of carry. It's, it's around 1.2% per month. And we think in this kind of environment where, um, where we have seen much more range bound positions come out in U.S. rates, we are seeing volatility not plunge further, but at least kind of a, a scrape along the bottom. So it's, it's flattened out. So it's it's more tolerable. So I think in this kind of context, it's still okay to to play these kind of positive carry positions and earn quite a substantial amount of carry. Well, there is certainly a lot to unpack there, Phoenix. I mean, let's first talk about the investment side of that basket. Let's talk about the Turkish lira. I mean, what a problem child that has been for EM carry traders. Talk to us a little bit about your expectations and where the lira is headed from here. Yeah, so I think, you know, it's it's been such a, a interesting story. And but I think this time around, because the impetus for kind of the the move back to orthodoxy in Turkey has been actually this time stemming out of President Erdogan himself, I think that lends much more credibility to his sustainability. Um so I think this time, you know, we have seen, yes, the the up the latest upheaval around the central bank uh governor, but you know, the, the new governor who's come in he is very credible in terms of kind of his uh, his stance toward inflation targeting, toward trying to keep rates as at this level for as long as necessary. And if necessary, they would hike rates even further to try to bring inflation uh, expectations back down and for them to ultimately meet their 5% inflation target. So I think this time it is very credible because it's coming from President Erdogan. We think there is still going to be some level of spot depreciation against the dollar over the coming months because the central bank is still trying to reaccumulate reserves. Um, we're still can, in a, a negative seasonality pattern right. with respect to current account flows. So there will be some spot depreciation. But I think in terms of looking at, against the forwards, that's still very, very compelling. And, and and absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, just for our audience year to date, I think the Turkish lira on a spot basis is down something on the order of 5.1%. Yet on a total return basis, it's up 3.2% year to date. So more of the same there, I guess. I mean, and, and, and you, I, I guess let's shift over to the funding side where, you know, China Yuan really has been a feature, in, uh, you know, in, in terms of the funding basket for EM Carry. I, you know, how should investors approach China you know, in this current environment, I think dollar yuan's down 1.2% year to date. It's down almost 12% since 2021, having declined in each of the past two years. I mean, talk to us about Chinese deflation, PBOC rate cuts. I mean, what comes next for dollar yuan and for the Chinese economy? So we've seen, especially the past several days, they are very keen to do targeted types of easing measures that are not going to directly impact the, the Chinese yuan too much. So, you know, they've stayed away from cutting the the seven-day reverse repo. They've stayed away from cutting the one-year MLF altogether and just done other types of rate cuts. So I think that is basically encapsulating their 
there are stands where they don't want there to be massive amounts of currency depreciation. They don't want to see huge amounts of capital flights, but they do want to support the economy and they do want to bring rates lower. So that's kind of the contradiction there. And I think what that ultimately implies is we're going to see a, a slight uh, moderate trajectory of further CNY weakness because the fundamentals are so poor, but because of how much intervention there is in the market from policymakers, it won't be a, a huge kind of sell-off. Yeah, so I think that's why people are still pretty comfortable to use CNY as a funding currency. And we've got so many of those in our basket as well, against Singh, against Taiwan, against Korea, against India, <laughs> and now as part of the basket trade. Well, you know, I mean, look, let's be clear. I mean, you know, even though, you know, we have expectations for the yuan to continue depreciating here, and I agree with everything you're saying, it's interesting to note that, of you know, all the fixed income markets globally, when converted back into dollars in dollar terms, you know, CGBs are one of those few rare markets that are actually up on the year, right? So it's kind of interesting. And, and look, I mean, let's just talk broadly speaking. Local debt markets have absorbed quite a bit of EM issuance since the pandemic. And we've seen, you know, pockets of strength in recent months, India, Indonesia, Mexico standing out. I mean, Talk to us about demand for EM local debt. You know, talk to us about foreign demand. How should investors approve, uh, 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 approach this asset class in the current environment? So there's been a real ebb and flow in this market. I mean, we've seen over the past couple of years, huge amounts of portfolio outflows out of EM. And since, since kind of October, there have been huge inflows back into emerging markets, especially on the debt side. And I think that is reflective of investors you know, maybe not looking at a long-term structural view, but taking a more medium-term cyclical view that, yes, we are entering a global easing cycle. We want to position ahead of those Fed rate cuts. And and historically, we know that when the Fed is cutting and EM is cutting more, that's when you see huge allocations come back in as investors try to ride that weight, you know, the, the yield curve down. Um and so I think that's that's what's happening right now. We've seen about $115 billion worth of money coming back into EM debt. That's yeah. you know, excluding China debt just over the past three months. And I think that trend is probably going to continue for another quarter or two. Um, in, in this kind of preemptive positioning. Yeah, and certainly with India coming online, I mean, who can argue with that? And, you know, what's interesting to me and for our audience, you know, who don't follow Phoenix's work, I just have to say, you know, it's unbelievable and it's so far reaching. I mean, unlike a lot of our peers, you know, Phoenix and the team at SoftGen focus on the frontier markets. You guys know I have an affinity for that. Um, Phoenix, we got to talk about what's going on out along the frontier. We got to talk about Zambia about Egypt, about some of the things we're seeing here, about Kenya. You know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what your views are and where investors should be positioning today. On the frontier markets, we have some pretty diverse views across what we think is going to happen. Um, I mean, there's been so much attention around kind of the Egypt story, and it feels a bit like, you know, waiting for Godot, <laughs> trying to figure out when that currency adjustment is going to happen. Um, especially around those new flow, news flow that we saw around the, you know, the turn of January, February, when the IMF was visiting, visiting the country. Um, but so at this point, you know, we think that um, the exchange rate is going to end up in that kind of, you know, 40 to 45 range against the dollar. Um, and, and so that is kind of the move that, that we think is going to happen. Um, and we still think that there is a risk that the exchange rate is going to overshoot the NDF levels because Egypt's external position has been really de deteriorating. Right. Um, and then on, on Kenya, we've got much more constructive views. We think that the, the local yields there 
are peaking already. And so now might be a good time for investors to consider going long, for instance, the infrastructure bonds in Kenya. Yeah. Um, so we think, you know, there's likely to be much less currency depreciation coming out of the shilling. Um, and so, yes, we've, we've, kind of, uh, we've initiated an FX unhedged long position in these uh, infrastructure bonds on, on Friday. Um, and then we, we are aware, of course, of kind of the risk around lack of access to international capital markets and so on, and also some risk around fiscal slippage as well. But I think that the risk reward for Kenya at these valuations are, are very attractive. Before I let you go, Phoenix, I just have to ask you, I mean, look, we are aware this is a huge, huge election year, not just in the U.S., but across the whole of EM. I think a record two out of every three adults in the democratic world are poised to cast their vote for a new leader here. Um, you know, we've seen some interesting results out of a number of different places over the past month or so. But really, I'm looking ahead to places like India, Mexico, uh, you know, South Africa. I mean, talk to us a little bit about some of those larger emerging markets and what's in store for them as we approach the elections. So, so it's interesting that, you know, we've heard a variety of, of different opinions about the outcomes of elections, whether they matter or not, um, whether it's about policy continuity or about something else. And it's, it's interesting that some of the concerns that have arisen, especially out of uh, the upcoming Mexican elections and also out of South Africa is around kind of the fiscal trajectory is whether there will be, you know, much more fiscal deterioration, especially, um, let's say, coming out of a, of a Claudia Scheinbaum administration, um, because she is not going to be just a copycat of her predecessor. So I think markets are are maybe, you know, very bold up on Mexican peso. We are as well. Tactically, we've got in a lot of different uh, trades, uh, expressions of, of positive Mexican peso views, but we do caveat that that is a short-term view. And going into the second part of this year, Mexico is going to be influenced not just by kind of the the outcome of those elections and what the administration is going to do, but very closely by what happens with, with the U.S. elections. And Phoenix, lastly, I mean, you know, we have, you know, the Bloomberg Commodity Index at its lowest level since late 2021. I think it's down 3.1% this year. It was down 13% last year on back of weaker energy prices, right, which were down 25% odd. You know, just curious before I lose you, what are your thoughts on terms of trade in emerging markets about that emerging market, developed market growth differential everyone talks about? I mean, do you still believe or, you know, should we still believe that EM can deliver a growth premium to DM, especially in lieu of what you mentioned earlier on U.S. exceptionalism? Or has that ship sailed? Yeah, I, I don't see it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, <laughs> I agree. I'm sorry to say, but growth has not been coming out of EM to, um, to any large extent. There's been, you know, pockets where things have outperformed, especially in, in the LATAM block. But apart from that, growth has been disappointing. And I think that's one of the reasons why we are much more cautious on the prospects for EM currencies in particular. You know, that is a huge headwind. Um, we haven't been performing well on growth. There is still very suppressed growth expectations. Um, and then just the prospect of how lackluster growth is going to be out of Asia and out of Europe for the latter part of this year, that's, that's, that picture is not going to get any rosier. So, yeah, we, we don't think there will be much of an impetus coming out of growth differentials, and that will negatively impact the, the prospects for EM currency. So we are much more constrained on that. But where it does help is around the prospects for fixed income. So that's why we are much more bullish around especially the local markets and uh, expectations for you know, central banks there to be vigilant, but to be able to cut rates quite aggressively. 
um, and and for that to kind of bring on lots of curve movements and uh, opportunities for for receiver trades across the curve. Phoenix, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, your views with us here today. And thank you to our audience of ever-enduring, always committed emerging market enthusiasts for your time and continued interest. Keep well, stay safe, and keep moving forward. 